Did you hear what happened? No. What? My my makeup artist canceled on me on my wedding day. What? Oh my god, why? She said she's in the hospital. What? Oh my god, who's gonna do your makeup? She is. Uh, she is? Yes. Are you gonna be ready later? No, I'll still be ready on time, but she can't stay for me to touch up. Oh my god, that bitch. This is the worst possible thing that could have ever happened to my wedding. I'm writing a review right freaking now. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Big Lash Energy. I'm your host, Jaina Marie. I know you've been waiting for this one. I'm finally going to dish my very best Bridezilla story. Actually recording from Atlanta right now, and if my voice sounds extra raspy, it's because my best friends Ricky, Elsa, and I just finished hosting a booth at the Makeup Show, a convention for makeup artists. We were there promoting Big Lash Energy and trying to grow this tribe. Needless to say, we spent two whole days talking to makeup artists, and while we were there, we asked the question: Do you have a client nightmare story? Anytime I met an artist who'd been in the industry for more than ten years, I just knew they had to have some tea to spill. But surprisingly enough, so many said that they didn't. Or if they did, you would instantly see the trauma come over them. And it was almost like they didn't want to talk about it for fear of experiencing the PTSD all over again. (laughs) But we were all surprised at how many people didn't have a story to share. Now I say this because considering the horrible reputation that brides have, actual bridezillas aren't actually that common. But... Alas, today we've spotted one out in the wild. In my entire 19 years of glamming brides, I only have a very small handful of women that I'd classify as Zillas. Of course, most brides require lots of patience and understanding, but that comes quite easily for me. I believe that if you're paying a premium price for something, you deserve to be a little picky and demanding. But today's bride, the one I'm talking about in this story, wow. Since starting this podcast, I've had some of my clients express that they're kind of nervous that I might end up talking shit about them on my show. And honestly, that's part of the reason why it's taken me so long to speak out about my most misbehaved clients. I don't ever want a bride of mine to be afraid that I'm going to talk shit about her. So to anyone who asks me, um, are you going to talk about me on your podcast? I always ask, are you going to do some messed up shit? In the case of this story, I honestly don't care if this bride knows that I'm talking about her because this was some seriously messed up shit. Once you hear this story, specifically the ending, I know you're going to have to pick your job off the floor. All right, enough with the formalities. It's time. Are you ready for this? So lock your doors, board up your windows, and get ready to burn some sage, because tonight we're letting this Bridezilla story out of the cage. Let's go. Welcome to Big Lush Energy, dedicated to helping you navigate life's hurdles with your head held high. We're celebrating wins, learning from our losses, and laughing at ourselves along the way. <laughs> now here's your favorite hype woman, Jaina Marie. Jaina Marie. Over the course of almost two decades of doing weddings, I only have enough bridezillas for uh, maybe two episodes. 
If prides were really all that bad, like to the point that I couldn't handle it, I wouldn't have been in this business for so long. In general, women are great and the smart ones know not to fuck with their stylists. So even if they may be nasty to everyone else, including the groom, they're typically nice to me. Often the most difficult person at a wedding for me to get along with is someone else, like a disapproving parent or another woman who has a hard time letting the bride be the center of attention for that day. Now, like I said before, I'm not one to want to talk shit about my clients. I love my clients, but this one kind of deserves it. Our story starts in Chicago on possibly the most disappointing trip of my life. At this time, I was in a very hot and cold long distance relationship with someone you might know, um, he goes by the name of D. And if you haven't heard the wild story about what he put me through, then I highly recommend you check out episodes 9, 10, and 11. But anyways, at this point in our relationship, we were at the height of the good times and I was finally getting to see his city. I've been counting down to getting to see where he grew up, trying authentic Chicago deep dish pizza, taking selfies at the bean and fucking up the towels in the hotel room. We did lots of fun things on this trip. Like I got us awesome tickets to see the weekend. We had some beautiful dinners, of course, all at my own expense, but it felt really good to be with him. We were having the time of our lives until everything changed. On the last night, I was jolted awake by a horrible pain in my lower abdomen. It was so bad, I almost let out a scream. I started to overheat and I ran to the washroom just in time. Now I was throwing up. Oh, great. I've never felt anything like what I went through that night. I couldn't move without feeling like I was being stabbed in the stomach. So I was lying in fetal position on the bed with the bathroom garbage can beside me and D not having a clue what to do. My flight was supposed to be in the morning and I was going to be flying home on Thursday so that I would have all day Friday to prepare for the wedding that I was going to be doing on Saturday. But I knew I couldn't fly in the condition that I was in. So I called the airline to see if I could get on a flight at a later time. And based on my symptoms, they suggested that I see a doctor before leaving. So Dee looked up medical clinics while I continued to suffer in bed. I'd never been in this much pain in my life. Eventually, it was getting late and I knew that I needed to get home to work. So I said, forget it. Just get me home and I'll figure it out once I get there. So I decided to skip going to the doctor altogether. The only flight we could find to get me back home would have me landing in Vancouver at 10.30 p.m. And of course, like I said, I had to work the next day at 7 o'clock in the morning. Dee really didn't want me to fly and I knew it might be a terrible idea and that there was a chance it would be severely uncomfortable for me, but there was a bride who was counting on me being there. So he packed my bags for me and I limped my way to the car. We were both nervous at the airport because we had no idea what to expect on the flight or how serious my issue was. As expected, the plane ride was pure hell. I spent most of it keeled over and squeezing the napkin that I'd been given with my water. By the end of the flight, I'd been clinging so tightly to that napkin that it had basically disintegrated in my palm. When I tell you I've never been more relieved for a plane to land, wow, that was a struggle. Thankfully, my car was at the airport and I'd left my kit inside from the booking before I left, so I knew I could go to the hospital and then straight to the booking afterwards. 
I don't know where you're listening from, but in Canada, the hospital waiting rooms are a situation. Most people go knowing that it's going to take forever, so they'll bring a book and snacks because you really don't know how long you're going to be sitting there. It could literally be like three to six hours. So I tried to express to the check-in clerk that my pain was at an eight out of 10 and I had to work, but she didn't seem to be able to do anything about getting me in faster. So I sat there in the waiting room in pain for over three hours. And finally, at around, I don't know, three or four o'clock in the morning, I got to see a doctor. I explained how I was feeling, and after not being able to find a vein in my arm, they put an IV in the top of my hand. Now, a fun fact about me is I'm terrified of needles. And for good reason. When I was a kid, we had to get hepatitis shots, and they had us do it with a friend so that uh, we wouldn't be scared, I guess. But when my friend Stephanie got her needles, she tensed her arm up, and it broke the needle off inside of her. So next thing I know, Stephanie's being carted off in an ambulance, and the nurse was looking at me like, you're next. And I thought, oh, hell no. So now, any kind of needle makes my feet go weak. It even makes me woozy putting earrings into my client's ears. And I know, I know what you're thinking. If you've seen me, you want to say, But Gina, you've got so many tattoos. That's not the same thing at all, okay? If a tattoo involves someone needing to stick a needle through layers and layers of flesh and into one of my veins, my skin would be completely bare. Just saying. But where were we? Ah, yes. The hospital. So first, they gave me a pregnancy test, as they usually do, and then they brought out the ultrasound machine. They looped up my stomach and did a scan of the painful area. While I was waiting for the results, I did my best to get some sleep because I knew that I still had to work in a few hours. After what felt like a lifetime of waiting, the emergency doctor came back and told me that there was fluid in my lower abdomen and they'd have to do more tests in order to find out why. But he was concerned and said that I might have to have my appendix removed. I asked when we would have to schedule it and he said, uh, probably tonight if it's an emergency. He said, if it's your appendix, it could burst and you could die. I said, um, okay, but I have to work at seven. You saw the look on this man's face. He was in complete disbelief and said, right, well, this is more important than your work. That's when I said, no, you don't understand. I work with brides. The look on his face said, and your point is? I looked at the time and realized I was only one and a half hours from needing to start with my client. So I said, are you keeping me here? Because I kind of need to go. He said, I wouldn't recommend you leaving, but if you really have to work, you could come back later and we can try and figure this out. He said, but if you leave the IV in your hand, we'll be able to help you a lot faster. So I said, okay, let's do that. He shook his head in disbelief and went to get a nurse to come and unhook me. As I sat there waiting for the nurse to come back into the room, I saw that the time was passing and I started to get nervous that I was going to be late for the bride. I remember looking back at the machine and thinking, I could probably unhook this shit myself. Thankfully, eventually, she came into the room, unhooked the tubes that were in my hand from the machine, wrapped them around my wrist, and then secured them in place with gauze. Well, this was a first. I guess I was going to be working with a needle in my hand. And like I said, I hate needles. (laughs) Every time I looked down at my hand, I got the heebie-jeebies. So I climbed carefully into my car and checked my phone. Ricky had sent me a text asking, Do you need me to do this booking for you? Because we'd been keeping in contact and she knew that I was coming from the hospital. Plus, she was going to be there anyways. For this booking, I was scheduled to be with my team because we were going to be glamming the bride, her mom, and 
I can't remember exactly, but I think it was five or six bridesmaids. We were supposed to get everyone ready and then the bride paid extra for me to stay the whole day doing touch-ups. Essentially, I was booked to be working with her until nine o'clock at night that night, but I knew I needed to get to the hospital before then because if the doctor was right, my life could be at risk. As I drove the 45 minutes to the bride's hotel room, I was trying to come up with a plan that could get me out of there earlier. And now that I'm looking back, I realize I was so focused on getting the job done, I wasn't even really thinking about how I was putting my own health on the line. My only focus was getting to work. I figured it would work out perfectly if I could get the bride ready like she wanted and then go back to the hospital and have Ricky do the touch-ups. This way, everything would mostly be the same for the client. And the touch-ups weren't really that big of a deal because it's just maintaining the makeup that I'd already done. Like maybe a little bit of powder here or a reapplication of a lipstick, what a bridesmaid would normally do for the friend on the wedding day. It's really not rocket science. Anyways, I pulled up to the hotel and unpacked my gear while babying my tender hand. I was there on time, but Ricky and the rest of my team had arrived early and were already setting up. Once I stepped in the room, I realized immediately that I had not taken the time to check myself in the mirror. I mean, clearly on this day, I wasn't concerned with how I looked. The bride took one glance at me and asked, Are you okay? Of course, I had a hospital bracelet on one wrist, an IV and gauze wrapped around the other one, and I was still wearing the clothes that I'd been in on the airplane. I mean, think about it. I probably had the worst dark circles. I'd puked my makeup off. I had pale skin. There's no way I looked like I should have been standing. I smiled and said, I'm not okay, but I'm here and it's your wedding, so don't worry. I gave her a big hug and started to set up and once she took a seat in my makeup chair I realized we had a little bit more privacy so I could give her a few more details about what was going on. I decided to explain a little bit more about my situation and the plan that I'd come up with for the day. I told her that I was really not feeling great and I needed to get back to the hospital so if she didn't mind I'd go back after I was done her hair and makeup but I'd leave Ricky behind to do touch-ups. I asked her are you okay with that? She glanced at my wristband and then likely saw the horrible bags under my eyes and said, Are you kidding? Do I look like a monster to you? Of course I'm okay with that. I did her makeup and hair exactly as she wanted. I made sure she was happy. I took some pictures so she didn't feel like I rushed her. And then as soon as she was happy, I politely asked to excuse myself so I could make my way back to the hospital. She gave me a hug, thanked me for doing a good job. And on my way out the door, I said, If I'm done soon enough, I'll do my best to try and come back. Now, let me clarify. I said that. I said I would come back, but I was fully expecting her to say something like, No, Jaina, just go take care of you. But she didn't. Now this, this is the part where shit gets pretty unbelievable. So I'm going to get Ricky to come and help me tell this part of the story. Ricky, welcome back. Hello. I'm so happy that you're here. I'm happy to be here. I started trying to tell you this story and then you were filling in the blanks for me and I was like, oh, you need to tell it with me. (laughs) Oh yeah, she was a Zillow, that's for sure. All right, where we're picking up in the story, I've left, I'm in my car, I'm on my way to the hospital and you've been left back with the bride, her bridesmaids and you're finishing everything up. So what happened? So the team and I are getting everything finished, every, you know, all the bridesmaids, making sure they're all happy. It was about 20 minutes after you left and the bride started asking, is Jaina coming back soon? And I looked at her like, do you know that she's not even to the hospital yet? <laughs> I'm, and then I'm thinking, do you know how long emergency rooms are? <laughs> Have you ever been sick? <laughs> so I'm essentially only halfway to the hospital at this point and she's already wondering where I am. Yeah, totally. She's fully dressed. She looks perfect. She's about to walk out the door and she's asking for you. And I have no idea why. 
So it's not even like she needed to touch up. Her makeup was fine. Absolutely not. She was happy. She was smiling. It, it was almost like she needed like a security blanket or something. Right. Meanwhile, from my perspective, I'd only been sitting in the waiting room for maybe five minutes when you texted me saying, are you going to be back soon? <laughs> I, I actually think I started the text. I was like, I do not want to write this text, <laughs> yeah. but they're asking when you're going to be back. That is exactly what you said. Yes. It was like, this is not me asking. This is them asking. Yeah. I was expecting to be there until 9 p.m. Right. Yeah. Because you have a good idea of how long the emergency rooms take. Also, you were dying. <laughs> Thankfully, I wasn't dying. But the doctors did need to do a number of tests on me. Yay, more needles. <laughs> because we weren't sure how much of an emergency it was, they needed me to stay at the hospital until we got the results. But as I was waiting for the results, I kept getting messages from Ricky. I felt like such an asshole texting you when you were at the hospital. But these bridesmaids kept coming at me and asking, Where's Jaina? When's Jaina coming back? Can you text Jaina, please? And all I'm thinking is, oh my God, Jaina's going to think I want to leave and get out of here. But that was so not the case. Actually, Loki. That was totally what I thought for a second. Oh my gosh. I was like, okay, Ricky, I get it. You're covering for me and you don't want to stay all night. I get it. Oh my, I would have stayed there for three days, but these <laughs> bridesmaids would not leave me alone. So did they need touch-ups? Absolutely not. They looked perfect all day. So I sat up in the room for about four hours. Because just to clarify, the wedding was happening at a hotel and you were sitting in a hotel room in case anyone needed to come up and get touch-ups. Yeah, we had all our gear set up for anyone that needed touch-ups. So they would all they would have to do is come up to the room. Because I was getting so many text messages, I assumed there was an absolute emergency downstairs. So I ran downstairs thinking the hair is completely falling out or maybe someone just totally smudged her lipstick all over her face. I found the bride and I looked at her and she looked perfect. Not even one hair was out of place. Are you serious? Because I remember when you were messaging me, I think it was... Hey, are you done yet? Hey, sorry to bug you. What's going on over there? I'm like, dude, I cannot make these test results come any faster. And I texted back, is she falling apart or something? And you were like, no, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> she just, I guess, thought that I was just chilling at a coffee shop and not at the hospital. I have no idea. I think she was thinking you just went home to eat bonbons or something. <laughs> if only. Once the test results confirmed that I didn't actually need an emergency operation and that I could leave and get the rest of the results the next day, I knew that even though I was feeling terrible, I needed to go and replace Ricky. So they prescribed me whatever painkillers I was still allowed to drive on and I made my way back to the hotel. Once I got there, Ricky greeted me with a huge hug and said, I hate that you have to be here. I don't even understand why. They haven't asked for a single touch-up since you left. I took a seat and begrudgingly texted the bride to say, Hey love, I'm back from the hospital. And she responded with, Oh, thank God. I know you're not feeling well. Which was an understatement. So if at some point I don't think I'm going to need you to do any touch-ups, I'll text you and you can leave early. In the meantime, just relax and enjoy the hotel room, okay? Bitch, Bitch. there's nothing enjoyable about sitting alone in someone else's wedding night hotel room when you're sick as fuck. But I did it. <laughs> I just sat there uncomfortable exhausted wondering what's wrong with me and slightly high on painkillers i'm not gonna lie i was questioning my entire career choice i thought of one of my good friends who quit doing weddings and told me that she was so happy not to be kissing asses anymore and to be honest i was a little jealous let's just say that this was a very dark time for me as a bridal makeup artist the time went by so slowly after an hour, I hadn't heard from her. Two hours. Still nothing. 
I sat in that room from around 5.30 p.m. until 9 p.m. without ever seeing her. And finally, when it hit 9.15 and she still hadn't answered my final goodbye text, I said, fuck this. And I left. I was only booked till 9 p.m. anyways, and I hadn't even done any makeup. I remember driving home thinking, what the fuck was the point of that? She wouldn't have even noticed if I wasn't there. And I made myself so uncomfortable to try and save the day for her. And she clearly didn't give a fuck about me. Thankfully, I had the next day off to try and recover. And Lord knows I needed to catch up on sleep. But above the sickness, above the sleep deprivation, above everything else, I was mostly in disbelief about how inconsiderate she'd been. Like, I tried to give her the benefit of the doubt thinking, maybe, maybe she wasn't an asshole. Maybe she was just so distracted with the wedding stuff that she'd forgotten about me. When I saw her name pop up in my inbox, I thought, oh, here we go. She's going to message me, see how I'm feeling. Maybe she'll even apologize because that's what most normal people would do, right? But that wasn't the case. I don't know if you're ready for this. You might need to sit down. In this email... She said something along the lines of, Hey, thanks for everything. I loved my hair and makeup. However, as I'm sure you know, the day didn't go exactly as planned. So I'm wondering, can I get a discount for the time that Jaina had to be replaced by her assistant? She wanted a discount for the time that Ricky was there and not me. My hands are getting sweaty just saying this. I'm so annoyed. Who does that? I couldn't believe it. I think I even laughed out loud. And I'm pretty sure before I responded, I called at least two or three of my friends. I definitely called Ricky. Ricky, what did you think when I told you she asked for a discount? I was completely shocked. Especially since we didn't do anything. We like you didn't even touch her. Absolutely not. Regardless of if I was there or you were there, she got the same services, which was nothing. I thought about it for a while. I considered what I paid my assistants to work on the bridesmaids. I thought of all the time I spent in my car, the parking at the hospital, what I paid Ricky to cover for me while I wasn't there. Like that came out of my pocket. I'm not expecting her to work for free. And at a certain point, I think I just decided, fuck it, keep your money. So I told her, oh, I apologize for the horrible inconvenience. I would like to offer you a discount of $200. Yeah, I did that anyone else in any other career would have probably just stayed home and got better in Chicago before flying back or not gone into work at all. But I worked sick and at a discount. No benefit to me whatsoever. The, the audacity. And honestly, like I said, I don't want to put my clients on blast. I don't want to rant. I don't want to rave. But truly, truly. Ricky, I got to ask, would you have given a discount? No. (laughs) Probably not. You're so sweet. You might have. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) We need to be bigger jerks. I think sometimes it's not really an issue of brides being assholes, but just us not having boundaries. Yeah, we are a little bit uh, lacking of those. We're pushovers. Yeah. Let's be honest, like who's who's to blame here, really? I could have just said, I can't do your wedding, Ricky's going to be replacing me, but I didn't. Yeah. I passive aggressively was like, hey, I'm kind of sick, but don't worry, I'll come back. And I should have just said, hey, I'm in the hospital. 
but as a human being, that is code for, um, please don't make me do this. <laughs> That's true. You're absolutely right. Please relieve me of this responsibility. Please. She did not take that cue at all. Yeah, she did not understand the assignment. Well, at least she looked good on her wedding. I, however, did not. You looked like the walking dead. <laughs> Well, hopefully I ruined all her pictures. <laughs> I've never seen you look worse. I, I believe you. I really do. Even though I didn't have time to look in the mirror, I believe you. You're probably grateful for that. <laughs> and you know it's true because, Ricky, you'll hype me up no matter how shitty I'm looking. Oh, yeah, for sure. But <laughs> you know, I, you're great. You're great. Not that day. I don't think there's one thing I can be like, oh, that's great, Dana. <laughs> like, oh, my God, please don't fall over. Well, thank you for covering for me. Was that covering? I, I don't know what that was. <laughs> Let's never do that again, okay? Now, let's set up some boundaries here. <laughs> Good idea. Well, there you have it. One of my worst ever Bridezilla stories. Did you like it? Thankfully, I don't have many because if that was the case, I'd probably be living in a padded cell right now. If you know someone who might want to hear this story, could you pretty please share this show with them? I hear every time you do... That bride who left me alone in a hotel room burns her tongue on her tall, half-sweet, no-foam, skinny vanilla latte. It's true. Thanks a lot for listening. Oh, and make sure you tune in next week because I'm going to be sharing everything that happened while we've been here in Atlanta, including my meetup with Danessa Myrex. Wait till you hear her client nightmare story. Until next time, please go be your most fabulous self and don't forget to spread that badass big lash energy everywhere you go thanks a lot Mwah. <laughs> and i loved my makeup it was everything i ever wanted but there was a different girl sitting in my hotel room did you need a touch-up no i didn't but could you imagine if i did
fit me in if you can uh, I know you the one with the plan Yeah, There's no time to waste Would you make me up? Could you make me up right now?